had a good feeling about it, you know, because the message was so strong and the lyrics was powerful and the production was great. I, I, I was hoping that it would win. What year did you write the song and how, how did it come to you? Oh, let me see, dates. I guess the song is 20 years old, so what, 72, 73, I guess. I'm not good on dates. But uh, the song was dedicated to my wife. We've been together now 30 years, so uh, if you don't know me by now, uh, it says a lot, you know. Yeah, she knows me after all these years. <laughs> Four children. Uh, can you talk about some of the influences when you first started writing? What was going on around you in early 70 or, or 20 years ago? Well, in Philadelphia, there was such a great amount of talent there and a great amount of musicians. I was in a band, and Kenny was the lead singer, so we was always surrounded by music. We had a good band, and uh, we just had an idea of uh, just becoming songwriters, and producers. Do you have a favorite performance of the song? A favorite performance? Uh, what's the, the song, if you don't know me by now? Well, Hal Melvin and the Blue Notes, Teddy Pendergrass originally did it first, but uh, Simply Red did a great job too. Okay, I think that's it. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Oh, excuse me, one more question. Uh, Leon, what was your largest song between you and Kenny? that sold the most through your career? Oh. <laughs> I know you had so many. <laughs> I think me and Mrs. Jones, but Billy Paul, I think it's between that one and uh, You'll Never Find Another Love Like Mine by Lou Rawls. Great, thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, Charles Neville, winner of the Best Pop Instrumental Performance. Uh, can, you, can you tell how it feels to finally win a Grammy, and can you tell us a little bit about this song and your music? Uh, okay, yeah, both. It feels really wonderful to win a Grammy, especially after being, being a performer for so many years and recording for so many years. And uh, amazingly, that song, uh, a lot of the things that we did in this session, in the Yellow Moon session, were created on the spot in the studio. And that song, The Healing Chant, was one of them. We combined uh, and a Caribbean, you know, a Caribbean medicine man's healing chant with some New Orleans rhythms and uh, just what I felt on the saxophone. Are you going to work with Daniel Lenoir again in the future? Uh, as a matter of fact, we're recording in his studio in New Orleans right now, working with his assistant Malcolm Byrne. Uh, Daniel is still not back in New Orleans yet, but yes, we are going to do some more work with him. What makes for a good atmosphere for recording at a studio? Oh, well, what we did with Daniel Lanois was different from anything we'd ever done. It was, I think it was the best atmosphere. Uh, he has what he called his studio on the move. He creates the studio environment for the particular artist. And like right now, we're recording in New Orleans in this big house on Esplanade Street. Uh, that's just this big, beautiful, wonderful house. And he's got all the state-of-the-art equipment set up there. And it's not, it's like recording resident in a studio just at some friend's house. Charles, yo, over here, it's your right. Ah. Um, Yellow Moon's great album. It's a, the sound is kind of different from what you're hearing everyone else play today. Uh, how do you describe your music in comparison to other people's music? Uh, I really wouldn't know how to compare it. Like, I, we, we essentially pretty much doing what we have been doing since the 50s. Right, except the instrumentation has changed and a little of our approach to playing has changed along with uh, further influences that we have received over the years. But it's just we do what we do. When you say state of the art, are you referring to digital or do you go more natural? Well, he's got everything that he could possibly want to use, but what we did, especially with Yellow Moon, most of what we did was recorded with us grouped around some microphones with no headsets, nobody separated the band playing live like it was done, you know, years and years ago. Charles, congratulations. Uh, the future, what have you got uh, planned for the future? What's your plans? Well, we're working on an album now that we're hoping is going to be released uh, sometime this summer. We're going to continue to tour, continue to uh, 
hopefully be able to address conditions in the world in our recordings and get them played. Got a name for that new album yet? No, not yet. Not yet. Congratulations. Thank you. question. Hi, uh, were you influenced by another type of music except the New Orleans music? Uh, our early musical influences were gospel, jazz, rhythm and blues, blues, soul, funk. Mm -hmm. uh, but most of it, we first heard uh, the way it was done in New Orleans. Mm -hmm. Oh, I see. Thank you very yes. much. You're Thank welcome. You. Thank you. Congratulations. Ladies and gentlemen, Dr. John, winner of the best jazz vocal performance duo or group. Congratulations, Dr. John. Uh, can you tell us about picking, making Whoopi, and also your choice of Ricky Lee Jones to do a duet with? Well, I was, I was real happy to do a, a duet with Ricky Lee Jones. Uh, I've always dug the way she worked since she did her first album that I worked on. And uh, she was a, uh, a real Bonnaroo idea for that particular song because she sang kind of like uh, up-to-date Billie Holiday or something. Was making Whoopi a favorite of yours through the years? Is that what made you to decide to do that song? To be honest, I didn't like the song before. Uh, we just started messing with it, and uh, after we started messing with it, uh, I kind of dug it, but I really didn't like the song. Thank you, and congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Uh -huh. Ladies and gentlemen, the winner of the Grammy for the best country performance by a duo or, duo or group with vocals, the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band, and also the winners of the Grammy for the best bluegrass recording, Bruce Hornsby and the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band. Thank you. Thank you. What inspired, what inspired you to do this album? Uh, I think a respect for uh, traditional acoustic music, uh, a love for uh, the, uh, the artists that uh, we picked to be on the record, uh, and a deep respect for Mother Maybell Carter. Will there be a third edition of Will the Circle Be Unbroken? Possibly. Yeah. Any time we can have as much fun as we've had making these two albums to get in the studio with a bunch of friends and people whose music we really respect, we'd love to do that. Hopefully it won't be 17 years. Bruce, I'm over here to your right. Um, you've worked with uh, Henley, you've worked with Grady, uh, I just worked with Cheap Trick. There, you work with Cheap Trick? Really? Cool. <laughs> yeah. When you go into, who do you look, it seems like you're having so much fun just picking bands. I've seen you on tour with The Dead. I mean, yeah. what do you do? And what is every day you wake up? What do you say? Okay, I'm gonna play with Cheap Trick today. <laughs> no, I just get asked. It just, it just sort of happens. It just kind of comes about. Uh, it's really, I gotta say, the most uh, rewarding aspect of what's happened to me is uh, uh, the, the things I get to do with others. It's hard for me to sort of get motivated to do my own records, which of course, uh, I'll put a little plug in. We have a new record coming out. Uh, but. Uh, <laughs> But no, I gotta say, it's uh, the best part about it because, you know, I got into this to be a musician. I didn't get into this to, you know, sort of be a celebrity or a pop entity. You know, I just wanted to play. And the great thing for me is that I'm able to do it, uh, I've been asked to do it so many different levels from, you know, from hard rock to, you know, bluegrass and jazz. So I like that. Thank you. Hi, Bruce. I want to ask you, uh, you're doing so many projects, do you have time to write songs, and how do you find that time? Well, I'm doing a lot of projects, but uh, they're, they're not so much writing projects. Really, the only I've only written for a couple of records. I wrote a song for Willie Nelson a couple of years ago for his record, and uh, this thing that we did with Don Henley. Basically, uh, the, the projects aren't time-consuming. I mean, we did this in, in one day. Uh, they're usually sessions. Uh, so, yeah, I, I've... Most of my time is devoted to writing, and I find enough time. Somehow, this year, I don't know why, maybe it's moving back to Virginia, I was able to write much better there than, I lived, than when I lived here. Uh, I'd never written any more than 10 songs in a year, ever. This year, I wrote 14 in about four months, and I don't know why. Uh, of course, who knows what the quality level of that is, but uh, so I do find the time. It's not that hard, because these projects aren't that time-consuming. Bruce. Um what, you talked about the, the joy of being able to work with other people. How do you make a decision to go from gentlemen like these to a, a Don Henley to a cheap trick? What, what is your criteria? Just, just people I like. I mean, I, I, I like a lot of different kinds of music. I mean, if you come to my house and look at my record collection, you'll see, you know, George Jones next to Ornette Coleman, you know, and uh, or Charles Ives, 
you know, next to uh, Earl Scruggs, say, or, or whatever, you know, Winton Kelly. So uh, I just have widespread taste, so it's, uh, it's not hard. For, I, I do turn down things, you know, I mean, I get asked to do things, and, and if, if I'm not all that keen on the situation, then no, I won't do it. I'm not just going to do anything, but I do like a lot of different things, so, uh, so I tend to say yes more than maybe some would. So they ask you, you don't ask in anywhere? No, no, I don't kind of walk in and go, hey, I'm here, you got a p in a piano, no. Something I want to say about Bruce is that he's real, real inspirational to us as musicians because he's so generous with his time and his talent. And it's, it's, I think all of us get together and start playing music for the reasons that he's continued and by showing up on other people's albums and playing a, a wide breadth of, of different kinds of music. I just think it's real cool. There's a, there's a great album. Uh, the, the segue is that I'm played on this record too, but Sean Colvin is a new artist who, I, who we all think is just uh, a wonderful talent. And uh, there's another project. So now you guys, the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band, you've been making albums for much, much longer than Bruce. How does it feel to be able to give this guy a break and let him <laughs> win a Grammy? Aside from the fact that he's too tall, it's great. You know, uh, it's, it's tremendous. It's uh, it's fun for us. One of the the uh, the neat things about the second Circle album was being able to check back in and in addition to looking back towards our roots in country and bluegrass music, being able to sort of expand into what people have done with uh, that form of music over the last 20, actually 17 years in between albums. And Bruce represents uh, a, a guy that, that's got all these different kinds of tastes and he started, he had a little folk group when he started out and it was neat for him to come in and, and do this kind of thing. It's great. It was fun for us. How did this configuration come together? Which one? The Dirt well, Band or Bruce? No, uh, all, four pe all five people up on that stage. I mean, you're a band and you're an entity yeah, and right. Bruce is, is an entity. How did it come that you all work together? Uh, mutual admiration for each other's music. Yeah, I'm not telling. It's a secret. <laughs> Thank you and congratulations. Thank you very much. Thanks, Bruce. <laughs> Congratulations, Rodney. Thank you. Um, it's been quite a year for you after all these years. You finally, seems like you broke through. What's next? Oh, uh, good question. Uh, uh, more music, you know. Are you going to be producing for others or concentrating on your own career? No, I, I'm pretty much, I made a decision, you know, four years ago that, that I was going to concentrate on this, and that's what I've stuck with since then. I think I made the right decision. Hi, Rodney. Congratulations. Thank you. You know, but besides winning the Grammy this year, you had five consecutive number one singles as a country artist. Can you tell, tell me about that experience and what your secret is of writing so many great songs? Oh, my secret for writing songs is that I haven't a clue how to do it. And uh, I think that's what makes them, you know, live a life of their own. It's sort of like, uh, I think of those guys going out, you know, and those cartoon characters with their bird nets going, I mean, with butterfly nets. Basically, that's how I write songs. I'm just running around with a butterfly net trying to pick up on a good idea. And so far, it's worked out. Um, congratulations. Both you and your wife are very talented people. Are you ever um, going to get together and do an album together? I hope so. Any plans of it in the future? Uh, well, let me put it this way. I've already written my portion of the album. <laughs> Just waiting for her input, huh? That's right. Okay, thank you. John Lee Hooker and Bonnie Raitt. Do we have any questions? Radio and General Press. Oh, okay. Radio and General Press. This radio. Hi. Hey, what's up? Uh, Bonnie, how do you feel and what is on your agenda for the future. I'm so honored to have done this duet in the first place with John Lee Hooker and to be recognized in a blues category, which has always been my first love, and to see him get this recognition and have across the generations, across races, be that kind of recognition is especially gratifying. My plans for the future are to do exactly what I did this last year. Bonnie? Yeah. Who's talking? Oh, okay. How did this, Bonnie, how did yeah. this come about? Uh, Roy Rogers, the producer of John Lee's record, right there, um, said that he had in mind doing a duet album for those of us that idolized John Lee and uh, Carlos Santana, Los Lobos, Robert Cray, Charlie Musselwhite, Canned Heat, and uh, 
and myself, we all jumped at the chance, and we all got to pick our favorite song, and mine was the nastiest thing I could think of that John Lee has ever sung, I'm in the mood for love. And he did it with me, and I'm still not over it. Hey, John Lee, to your right, right over here. How you doing? Uh, besides being the uh, best-looking guy up on stage right now... Um, well, thank you for saying that. God. Um, I want you, if you could do me a favor and like, maybe talk about how music was when you first started and how it's changed all the way to this day. Well, or, uh... It's a long question. No, it's not. The music changed with the world. It changed with the people. A generation go and come. It changed all around when they're, uh, the blues were born. They always been here. And even Adam was placed in the Garden of Eden. When they, when they put a woman and man together, that's about the blues. And they're, uh, as the world go by, as time change, people change. Generations go out, new generations come in. So have changed the communion tremendous. So you got to try to stick with it. But me, myself, I will never, never get out of these blues alive. And I will never quit singing the blues. I will not turn and go to pop all this other stuff, rap. I'm going to stick with the blues. I love the blues. And this young lady here, she told me when we first started recording, said, I want to do In The Mood With You. So she must have had, she loved that song. I said, okay, let's do it. So the blues have changed a lot, but, but the roots never go away. The roots are right there. It's going to always be there. And with me, Peter, thank you very much. Okay. Hi, it's Mr. John. Uh, how would you like to describe uh, Bonnie as a blues musician? Uh, no, she, she, she wants you to describe me as a blues musician. Good luck. Don't you know? Have you heard in the mood? Have you heard any woman could sing the blues like she could? Right. Deep and funky and slide. She make tears come in your eyes. You know, when she was singing In The Mood, I sat there with a teardrop. Nobody is a woman got a blue voice like this woman. She can get down. Thank you so much. Thank you for asking Bonnie. Thank you, John well, Lee. Well, that's one down. How do you feel about the prospects of winning in some of the big categories later on tonight? You know, as far as I'm concerned, the response this record got is more winning than I ever expected. And I, you know, if it, I'm just over the top anyway. So if it happens, great. If it doesn't happen, I'm still over the top. There you go. Thank you. The winner of the Grammy for the best rock instrumental performance, Terry Bozio. Questions? Congratulations, Terry. Are you ever going to do any more non-instrumental music, more like, like you used to do, pop music, anything like that? I'd like to. I'm in the process of sort of building a home studio, and um, I've been chipping away at my own solo project where I'll sing and write lyrics and things. So it could be in the works, but for right now, I'm really having fun working with Jeff and Tony, and uh, so we're going to continue on doing that. Uh, Telly, uh, what did you think about the collaboration with Jeff Beck? Uh, I thought it was wonderful. You know, we, we hit it off the first time we met at this Mick Jagger video that we both played on. And um, when we got in the studio with Tony Hymas, I think we did about three songs within the first week that actually made it onto the record. So it was just chemistry. So you got strong chemistry. Torio, you believe? Pardon me? You got the strong Torio, you yeah. believe? Oh, yeah. That's great. Congratulations. Thank you. Terry. Gail Murphy, KLOS. Hi, how, how are, are you? you? Hi, I realize that it's an impossible expectation to ask you to second guess how Jeff would feel or what his reaction would be. Oh, I'm but, sure he'd be over the moon, you know? Yeah. He'd be real happy, yeah. So are you going gonna to call him later on? Yeah, I'm going to call him, and if they give you the little envelope, I'm going to fax that to him so, you know, he can see that. Yeah. Did yeah. you ever think while you were in the studio making this album that you'd ever be standing here right now? You know, it's funny. I kind of had a feeling like that, but... Um, but, you know, you never know. I mean, I was real nervous when, when I was waiting for, for our turn and um, thinking, you know, well, God, what if I win and I have to go up there and stuff? And you just never really know. And you think, I was thinking in terms of, you know, why am I ruining my life here by being so nervous when I may not win and, you know, what'll it all mean? But... Questions? I don't know. It's just, it's a wonderful thing. Yeah, okay.
Okay. Um, is is the tour over? Uh, the Double Trouble and Guitar Shop. Looking yeah. back on that tour, what are your thoughts and feelings about how it went and how it was? It was wonderful. Um, you know, Stevie Ray was a really great person, and we got along well with all the members of his band. I think it was a good bill. Um, uh, on the one hand, and on the other hand, I think as a as a trio, Jeff and Tony and I are trying to sort of put out this new identity as as a band, and it was a little bit hard in terms of that, in terms of the public um, perception of it. I think they saw it more like Stevie Ray and Jeff Beck, but other than that, I think it was a great tour. Ladies and gentlemen, the winner of the Grammy for the best gospel vocal performance by a duo, group, or choir, take six. Yeah. <laughs> questions? Oh, no questions. Standing the audience. How does winning this award this year compare with winning last year? Well, winning the award this year was a, a big surprise because we don't have a new album out. And so the song that won is on another album and we had no idea that we would win. That's why only two of us showed up. And uh, when we heard them say, take six, we were like, nah, get out of here. So it, it was great. It is great. Question. Come on, Vin. So uh, would you please tell me, how do you maintain your great voice? Uh, <laughs> I really want to know. You have to get a lot of rest. We're all, um, all Seventh-day Adventists, so we have a strong health message, and we just really take care of ourselves and a couple of about four out of the six of us are vegetarians and that kind of thing. Um, but uh, between, you know, just the lifestyle of the, the Christian lifestyle, that, that takes care of itself. And we've been real lucky. I'm sorry. Healthy lifestyle. Yeah, just a healthy lifestyle. You're recognized not only in the gospel category, but also as jazz performers as well. As singers, the technique of approaching gospel material as compared to jazz material, are there differences for you? Well, I think what's uh, very different about our group is that we don't really make a distinction between the two. We marry them together. And, I, you know, because a lot of times jazz vocalists, um, you can just tell when you listen, they sing a lot differently from gospel performers. Um, there's a lot more pathos, a lot more feeling that is put into gospel music. But we try to do all of it and encapsulate it into one style. I just want to make sure we have both your names correct and don't get your voices crossed. You identify yourself? I'm Alvin Chia, C-H-E-A. Okay. And I'm Claude McKnight. Do you have any plans of working with uh, any jazz artists in the 1990s and doing any music videos? Oh my, well yeah, first of talking about the videos, we're about to be the uh, about to record our portion of the um, Melba Moore project, the new black national anthem. Let uh, lift, every voice, lift every voice and sing. I'm Ooh. sorry, that's going to be done. So, um, as far as that's concerned, we will be on that video. Um, working with other artists, though, we're trying to get our album out, and that should be a late spring release. Um, so, at the beginning part of the year, that's what we'll basically be concentrating on. However, towards the end of the year, you know, who knows? Um, we did, we did the Joe sample. Yeah, again. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. He's a great guy. Thank you. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, the winner for the best gospel vocal performance, female, Miss BB Winans. Mrs. I'm sorry. Forgive me, my big mistake. They're very nice people, though. And the winner of Best Gospel Performance Vocal Female, Cece Winans. Better? Congratulations. Questions? No problem. Thank you. Hold on. Okay. The Grammy Awards are being peers that are not just in the gospel category that are voting for you. So it means just a little bit more, and this is the highest. Um, music award there is, I believe, in, in the industry. So means a little bit more, but they all mean a great deal to us. Bibi, I'd like to ask you, um, in the gospel, like traditional gospel, and most music tracks now are with the R&B flavor, 
and then there's traditional gospel. Mm -hmm. Do you think in the future uh, more gospel music will go towards, uh, not traditional, but it will move the traditional music out? No, I think traditional will always exist. It's something that it's a foundation, and I think when you have a foundation, you just simply build upon the foundation. Yeah, it's another style. It's another style in gospel music. I mean, we have variety of styles, just like the mainstream music. You know, you have some country-sounding gospel. You know, traditional, contemporary, and it's been around. Just like contemporary has been around for a long time. That's what we grew up on. You know, so it all it'll, it'll live forever. I think traditional. Granted, as uh, gospel singers, uh, I would expect you to follow the good book, but is there any jealousy or competition among you about who got how many uh, awards or, or how many uh, uh, units were sold? Or it, do, you, do you have that at all between in, you? In the gospel industry? In the industry. No, just the two of you. The oh. two in your family wise? Oh, no. Nah. I'm always proud of her, and she's always <laughs> proud of me. No jealousy at all. We no, support, no, and support my whole family, another. my brothers, yeah. as well as my brother, Daniel, who's coming yeah, in back of so, us, so we're happy. very proud of yeah. each other. We we always grew up and knew if one Winans won, we then we all won. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Ladies and gentlemen, the winner for the Grammy for the best motion picture television album, the best arrangement on an instrumental and the best instrumental arrangement accompanying vocals, Mr. Dave Grusin. Thank you. Hi. Congratulations, Mr. Grusin. Thank How you. How does um, writing for somebody's visual creation differ from writing for your own albums? Um, well, besides the obvious uh, situation of not having a picture to write to for an album, um, you're dealing with a, you're dealing with another another guy who is the creator, and you are the kind of functional uh, carpenter for him at that moment. So, in essence, you really have to figure out what he wants the film to do, and then hopefully figure out a way to do it musically. Um, whereas, making an album or producing an album, it's it's our own concept normally that that we start with. So. We have to please ourselves. Any other questions? Yeah, I have a follow-up too. Uh, how do you juggle the careers of being a musician and a composer with being a record company executive? Um, not always very well. Uh, the, there are normally uh, deadlines connected with both sides, and uh, you just try to try to keep them from colliding if you can. How was it working with Michelle Pfeiffer, who until recently was not known for her singing? Oh, it was just terrible. But it was a terrible job. Somebody had to do it, you know. No, she was... Uh, what we didn't know when we started how this would all come out in terms of her being able to do this role as a singer. Certainly knew her capabilities as an actress. But she worked so hard, and a lot of people worked really hard to make this thing come off, and finally... She, she was, in, to me, completely credible as a singer. She did her own singing. Um, she worked to the, I, I can't tell you how hard she worked and how hard everybody else worked, but ultimately, I don't think that we saw the hard work. We just saw the performance, and that, that was the, the key for me of the successful culmination of that. Thank you. Thank you. The winner for the Grammy of the Best Soul Gospel Vocal Performance, Mr. Al Green. Hi. Hello. Congratulations, Woo. Al. Congratulations. You win so many awards, and you've been doing so much music for so many years. Do you have any secret to how you keep up the quality of your work? No, I don't have any secret other than um, Willie Mitchell is a good producer. Uh, Al, be sure, is a good mixer as far as this album is concerned and this song is concerned. No, I have no secrets. Al, uh, <laughs> keeping in shape, I see. And um, yep. more importantly, every single time you're backstage at like the Stellar Awards last year at the Grammys, you sing a song back here. And it always... Uh, 
you, last year you were really happy when you won. You sang a song. Any song you gonna sing back here this year? Oh, gee, let me see. I don't know. Um, probably. Let's let's stay together, loving you weather, weather. Times are good or bad, happy or sad. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, don't go away. What's the badge for? What's the badge for? Huh? What's the badge for? Oh, uh, the badge is some, it was a gift given to me just by somebody that gave it to me. It's just a pin. It's a pendant. Just a pendant. Thank no, you. it's not a lucky charm. I don't have a lucky charm. Thanks, bye. Ladies and gentlemen, Donny Osmond. Thanks for the cheese. Congratulations. It's been an interesting year for you. Uh, to say the least. That's true. Um, what kind of direction will your career be going in now, now that you've got a whole new audience and a whole new kind of music? That remains to be seen, because the music will dictate that. Sorry. Um, right now I'm currently working on this next album. And I want to take it to a direction that's unexpected. Just as unexpected as my comeback was. I want to, uh, without trying to be prolific here, you know, I, I want to do some music where uh, people don't expect it. That's why I like Prince, you know. He always does the unexpected and that's why people like him. You don't know what's coming. And that's what I'm trying to accomplish with this next one. Uh, Donnie, will you uh, be singing with your sister sometime, do you think? And also, uh, what does your family say about all of what's happened to you in the last year? Number one, I don't think so. Number two, they're very excited about it, you know, obviously. They're uh, very excited. Donnie, you had a problem with uh, your image at the beginning, and now you've been trying to change it. How far have you changed it, and how far do you plan to go with that? And the second part of the question, uh, you've been in touch with Michael Jackson. Do you two plan on working on anything together in the future? Well, to answer your first question, I'm not changing my image. I'm just educating people as to what I am now. Uh, I'm not prefabricated. I'm not... I haven't sat down and said, okay, let's, let's map this out, and let's, this is what Donnie Osmond's going to be perceived as. I'm just uh, doing what I do and what I feel best right now. Uh, so to, to think that I'm constantly changing an image, no, just listen to the music. That's, that's exactly what I wanted people to do and that's what they did. Second, um, I think that would be great. How hard is it for you to... How are you? Good, how are you? Good. How hard is it for you to get up in front of your peers and be a hosting kind of guy for something like this? No problem at all, baby. No problem at all. As a matter of fact, I enjoyed tonight. I really did. Because um, it was, in a way, the industry's way of saying, welcome back, you know. It's nice to have you back, and uh, we accept you as a host. You hosted American Top 40 this last weekend. Oh, right. What kind of reaction did you get, and how does that tie in with your music? How does the reaction from the show tie into my music? I don't know if I really understand the question. Uh, People heard you this weekend in yeah. over 80 countries. Do you think that's yeah. going to help promote your music, or do you think people are going to associate you with the host again? Oh, I see your point. Um, I don't think so, because it was just a guest host position. Um, Did you enjoy it? I, I loved it. I thought it was a lot of fun. And I think it is good that uh, I was heard in 80 different countries, because uh, this next album, capital EMI, has it worldwide, whereas they only had it in the United States and Canada for this first one. Hi. Um, you would have to be a very strong individual to go through what you went through and come out on the other side. Yeah. Uh, what do you draw your strength from? How do you... How did you get through all this and come out? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, perseverance, man. Just believing in yourself, really, you know, because uh, that's all... I, I don't know. I don't know how to answer that. Just believing in yourself and going for it and, and never taking no for an answer. Hi, do you still Hi. wear purple socks? Shut up, will you? <laughs> Sit down. <laughs> no. Why I did that, I'll never know. 
Hi, Donnie. Congratulations Hi. on your new success. In Thank spite you. of that, the uh, readers of Rolling Stone recently voted you the most unwelcome comeback. It oh, looks, I, yeah. like, looks like you have a little ways to go. Can you say a little bit about that? Well, I read that, and I thought it was even a compliment to be written up in Rolling Stone. Um, you can't please everybody, can you? Sometimes you feel like a politician. But I think we'll all agree, not sounding boastful here, but I think we can all agree that uh, I accomplished a feat that uh, everybody had written off as an impossibility. And uh, so, hey, that's the same publication that rated one of my albums as elevated trash. Okay. It was, too. <laughs> Donnie, yeah. I'm, I'm wondering, over here. Ah. I'm wondering how your kids are reacting to your newfound fame or re re resurgence, your, your kids. I'm the school hero. Yeah, they like to bring me over to school. Do they want to be rock stars? You know what kids say. Sure. I don't know. I'll leave that up to them. I'm not going to force them. Okay. Paula? Yeah. First of all, I want to know who's watching your house tonight. Oh, don't say that. I'm having, I've had nightmares that... Have you? Yeah. Listen, so, have you spoken with Janet since your album has become a major success, and will you be working with Janet in the future? I, yes, I have spoken with Janet, and we've exchanged congratulations. It's really neat for both of us. Um, we, I don't, as far as working with her, she's, she's going on tour. She starts tour next month, so I won't be working with her for at least, I don't know when. <laughs> Hi, Paula. Hi. Um, I'd like to ask you, um, who do you think would win in a fist fight, Arsenio Hall or Sam Kinison? Oh, God. And I have one question for Patrick. Wait, I just want to... Patrick, um, do you think it sucks that Barbara Walters makes everybody cry on her specials? Uh, I think I think it sucks if it's manipulated, um, but she got me. I didn't plan on it, but she got me, if that's what you're talking about. Paula, Liz White, WNSR Radio. You said this is the most exciting year of your life. What do you do for an encore after a year like this? I don't know. Ask me next year. I have no idea. What do you have Just in the immediate future? What are your immediate plans? Right now I'm in rehearsals for the Academy Awards. I'm choreographing the Academy Awards this year, and then I'm also in the studio recording for my next album. And films, films coming up. Hey, Paula Dul, uh, Alejandro Villalobos from Caracol Radio, Bogotá, Colombia. Uh, dreams come true. Is a, this a dream came true with you? Absolutely. This is definitely a dream that I'm living right now. It's okay. And I want to ask you something. Uh, not for this moment, for your future. Mm -hmm. What's your next dream? Music? Is it uh, get married and some kids? <laughs> well, yeah, I'd like to eventually get married and have kids, but uh, I'd like to also bring back the old Hollywood musical in a big way. I'd love to do a musical. Maybe Patrick and I'll do a musical. <laughs> I, think we, I think we do some serious ass kicking. <laughs> Paul, you do so much with choreographing and your recordings and all your success. What are you doing to relax, if you have any time to relax? No time yet, but I'll be relaxing. After the Academy Awards, I'm going to take like a week off, and then I've got to go to Europe and do some recording. Right. And Patrick, are you going to do any more recording? We heard you on Dirty Dancing. Anything coming up? Well, I had two songs on the Roadhouse album, and Larry Gatlin and I did one uh, for the Next of Kin album. I'm basically just doing, you know, a couple of tunes for each movie I do, just sort of staying in the background, trying to keep some class about it, you know? Thank you. Paul, I've seen that dress all over the magazines. How did you come to it? Bob Mackey. <laughs> Hi, my name's Sherry. Um, you've had a long, successful marriage, and I'm sorry to hear that your wife had a miscarriage recently. How is she doing? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bolton, best pop vocal by male performer. How I'm supposed to live without you? Thank you. Hi, my. Hi, Michael. Good evening. Is it evening yet? It is. Um, last night we talked at a party and you said, I just know I'm going to win, but I think you were kidding at the time. I wasn't at that party. Oh, yes, I was at the party. Um, I just felt like it. I didn't know. I don't think I said I know, but I just, uh, I really felt like I had a good chance. 
And then I realized a few seconds before they opened up the envelope that I really didn't know and it was a frightening moment, you know. But it wasn't going to bother me if I didn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was going to take you with me, actually. Um, but I did feel like I, I really had a good shot because I'm really, I just really felt strongly about the performance on How Am I Supposed to Live Without You. Um, so I was hoping that that would just be taken into consideration by other human beings, such as yourself. And uh, apparently it has. And I, it's a great feeling. Why did you finally decide to record this song yourself, and why did it take you so long? Well, I had to go around the back, the Grammy thing, and then it's really hard to say. You know, it's just that, well, first of all, I wrote the song after one of my albums was finished already. I continue to write a lot. Um, and when the album is done, I have a few songs, and I try to find good homes for these songs, you know. And uh, Laura Branigan did that one six and a half years ago, and it was a big hit. And it's, it's received so much airplay in the last six and a half years, still continuous, uh, continuous airplay, that um, I wasn't sure whether people were ready for it or not. And uh, I had a good feeling that they would be now. So trust your instincts, I guess, is the... <laughs> yes. Congratulations, Michael. Thank you. Uh, some people are saying Melody is on the way out, and you write such great <laughs> melodies. Do you feel Melodies are always going to be in, and are you going to continue to write with Diane Warren at all? Well, Diane and I will probably continue to write. I, I can't see why we wouldn't. Um, but um, I can't see Melody ever going out. Um, I think Melody is in human beings, you know, and people respond to something that's thematically strong and, and melodically strong. And <laughs> um, it'll never go out as long as human beings have warmth inside them and are, and are, are real people. That's, that's how I feel about it. And I think the things that happen that are just dance-oriented and percussion-oriented, those will come and go. And I don't care, I'm, even if it's a span of five or seven years that they last, I'm talking about 100, 100 years or 200 years. The songs that keep coming around are moving. Um, those have to have melody and theme. And uh, it, they'll never go out in, in this lifetime. Michael, to your right, right over here. How you doing? Um, Hi. Just, uh, it's finally, it's good to see that the album sales are coming through for you finally. Uh, I was wondering how you felt about that and also the fact that it's in everyone's uh, bedroom these days and people are making love to your music. What are your thoughts on that? I think they should do that more often. Um, and I hope it's as good for them as it is for me. I don't know. Okay, uh, Michael, this yes. is uh, for Super Stereo 88.9 in Bogota, Colombia. Uh, any plans on you going to South America on a world tour or uh, future plans? I'm, I'm thinking of going down there with Bush. Um, but uh, they, they couldn't give me enough protection. Um, not in the near future, not immediately. I haven't discussed anything about a South American tour yet. Although I know some people who have gone down and played and had a great time I'll and recommended it. I don't have any immediate plans for a South American tour. Thanks. Oh, Michael, over here. Yes. Right here. Uh, in connection with uh, the, let's say, the liberated woman, do you find it difficult to write love songs? No. And you know what's interesting is when I released Soul Provider, I thought there was going to be a response from a lot of liberated women who would say, oh, what is this? Another guy who's trying to say he wants to dominate or make a, a create a dependent woman but that's not what the song is about and I realized and I found out that there were a lot of women who said you know what that's what I really want somebody who feels that way who wants to provide emotionally and every other way doesn't mean that you force someone to be uh, you know dependent on you and um, the response was the opposite um, the independent women still want the same thing if they can find it. The question is, I think they're questioning whether they can really find it or not. Michael, what do you do to muster the incredible emotion that come out in your songs, and what are you going to do to celebrate this win? Thank you. And, uh, no. <laughs> to muster the emotion. Emotion mustering began... Um, There's just a place, you know, and, and I, I feel like it's a natural thing for me to, to tap into it. Musically, I don't really like to write things that are light and uh, tongue-in-cheek and cute. Um, 
I like to write things that um, are really moving rather than have something play in the background. I want something that's powerful that affects people and that they can relate to and something that's going to always apply to, to a person years and years and years down the road, you know. Um, and I just, I don't know, it's just a natural thing to be able to get in touch with that. And it's not always the, uh, you know, the most pleasant thing to deal with, but, uh, you know, it's real. And then, what am I going to do to celebrate? Um, I'm just going to have this kind of inner smile happening and keep working, you know. And uh, it really feels great, though. It really does. Michael, congratulations on your Grammy. Now that Thank you've you. won one, is there somebody that you're rooting for? Well, a bunch of people. Uh, Paula. Uh, Paula's a, a, an old friend of mine and a dear friend, and I'm, uh, I was really glad that she was the one who opened up the envelope, you know. Um, Thank you. Who else? Uh, Barry Mann and Cynthia Weil. I mean, I have a lot of friends out there in the other room. You know, sometimes I have friends up for the same awards. So um, I guess it wouldn't be the greatest thing for me to, you know, get into which ones I like better than the others. You know? Michael, over here. Left, right, right. Oh, okay. Hi. Hi. How are you? Good, good. Congratulations. Thanks. I understand that a lot of the artists here are being supplied with material with regards to lyrical content and uh, creating legislation to, uh, there's uh, several bills in Missouri and Pennsylvania having to do with lyrical content and warning stickers. Have you been presented with that material and do you have a statement or something you'd like to say with regards to what's going on? No, to both of those. Um, I haven't been presented with any material, and, and I don't have much to say about it because uh, I'd have to see the material before I could make some sort of intelligent uh, comment on it. Michael, how carefully did you prepare your acceptance speech? Um, how carefully? On, on a scale of 1 to 1,000, 1 to 10? I, I tried to uh, make sure that um, I didn't leave out you know, a lot of key people who have been really, uh, you know, supportive and have helped me succeed. Um, unfortunately, I left out a couple of names in the reading because uh, I was so conscious of the amount of time I was taking up and uh, didn't want to, you know, be too self-indulgent. Um, but I just, uh, I, I just wrote it down while I was here and tried to go through it with my manager to see if I left off uh, his name, you know, and things like that. So. And I'm glad I did. I'm glad I wrote it down as it is, yeah. So what if people looked at my head for five seconds or actually three minutes and 40 seconds? So, you know, these people really helped me and I just wanted to say thanks. Hi, Hi Michael. Uh, do you think that you won because you're the tallest? No, I think they're, uh, Mike Rutherford was pretty tall. and Oh, he wasn't up for my category. Was I the tallest one in my category? Oh, man. I thought it was a good vocal performance. Yes. <laughs> you guys are good. Yes. Michael, congratulations. Thank you. What's next from you? Uh, more comedy, I think, from the no, past. Do you have another album no. that you're planning? Yes. Um, I'm going to continue writing. Um, I have a, uh, this song, that Kiss Cut, that's uh, flying up the charts. It's going to be a big single for them. And um, Anita Baker and Martiga uh, just cut some songs of mine. So... I want to keep doing that, but I'm working on songs for the next record, and the way this one's unfolding, I think it won't be, I won't be able to put out another record until the beginning of next year. Well, we'll be waiting for it. Thank you. Thank you very much. Linda Ronstadt and Aaron Neville, don't know much. Linda? Is that you? No. Yeah. Who's there? Where? You've tried so many different styles of music. Over here, Linda. Uh, okay. So many different styles of music over your career. What's next? Well, I, I haven't been trying them out like they were new clothes. You know, I mean, they were all styles that were there in my childhood in the living room of, of my house where I grew up with my family. Mexican music, the standards of Nelson, you know, of, of uh, the jazz standards that, that I did with Nelson Riddle. Even Pirates of Penzance, my grandfather even did that in the eight, in the 1800s, you know. So there, it's really going back more than it is going forward. What's ahead for you? Well, my brother was a really first-rate, uh, world-class boy soprano, 
and, and sang with a choir, and I've never gotten a chance to really sing a lot with a choir, so I, I, that's what I want to do a lot of next. Thanks. Uh, Aaron and... and I'm producing Aaron's record. <laughs> Congratulations to you both. Thank you. Uh, as far as male singers and female singers, you can be listed as the creme de la creme of, of vocalists. How does it feel for the two of you to perform together when you're, in terms of mutual admiration and, and how one's energy inspires the other when you're performing together? It feels great. It's great. <laughs> You know, it's, you're usually thinking, I mean, it's, a it's either a natural thing or it isn't. You know, because if it isn't a natural thing, you can't stand to do it. You know, and then when you're doing it, you're thinking about, you know, like, i got to get that note in tune or, or you know, i got to breathe, you know, breathe there. And, or you're just feeling it. You know, you're just feeling it. So it's not, it's not like, oh, God. Well, I mean, when I first sang, I went, oh, God, oh, God, I'm singing with Aaron Neville. I almost fell on the floor. So you try to avoid that, you know. Otherwise, I'll be falling down all the time. I, the people would think I was drunk, you know. <laughs> it wouldn't be good. <laughs> Linda, I wanted to ask you... Uh, I'm sorry, are you done? When was the first time you heard Aaron Neville's voice? Huh, hi. I want to ask you, when, when, when the first time you heard Aaron's voice was, and when you decided you wanted to work with him? Well, it was on the American radio, when, when, when American radio used to pay attention to things like regional music, and there, were, you know, there would be a contribution from Nashville, a contribution from New Orleans, a contribution from Philadelphia, a contribution from Los Angeles, and they would all be different styles of music. And New Orleans just sent us a... Uh, sent us tell it like it is on a rocket ship and it just blew me right out of my car and that was the first time I ever heard him sing and I you know I was I've been a fan a devoted fan ever since Aaron uh, Aaron right over here we've been waiting for this a long time is, is the 90s gonna be the decade of the Neville brothers we've been waiting too I think it is yeah was it was the wait worthwhile for you it's definitely been too long yep it's a long time coming but it's finally welcome Chaki Mofina here. Hello, uh, Linda. Are you serious about singing with a choir, and, and how could you pull that off? Well, I did a little bit of it on the last record. I sang with the Oakland Interfaith Gospel Choir. It's a 50-voice choir, 60-voice choir. And I have a couple of songs on my new album that I want to use the choir. But I, one of these days I'd like to sort of do a, an, a record that was just choral. You know, I, haven't, I have some ideas for material. It's, it's a ways off, but... It's something in my brain. <laughs> they asked, so I told them. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Hi, how are you doing? Uh, I'd like to ask Rob a question, uh, which is uh, over here. Yeah. Uh, much has been made about your hair and all the money and all the time that it takes to put it together and, and how much uh, uh, you had hoped that maybe it would further your career. Can you talk about that? Uh, no, I looked in the mirror, I was 15 years old, and I said, hey, I have to change something if I want to be a pop star. So I seen a book about the Maasai, you know the Maasai in Africa, and I was looking every time for identification points because I'm no from Germany. So that's why I thought, try this, and it worked. From this point on, I have to say, in my classroom, I have more, ch more chances by the girls, so I kept it. Balance News, Los Angeles. What made you decide on your hairdo? It's uh, very funky, very uniquely different. Is this your style, and do you plan to market your own line of clothing? Yeah, it's a little bit, uh, it's a bit too, uh, too early to talk about that now, but it's in plan. Okay, um, this is for Colombian radio station, Super Stereo 88.9. Uh, have you ever thought, when you write your music, having in mind Latin performances, Latin music in your mind when you write your songs? Uh, <laughs> honestly, I have to tell you, on this album I didn't write any song. So I can't tell you. I, I, maybe for the second album we would put Latin songs in. I have to tell you honestly, people like Luis Martinez from our expose, we really admire and to think they do, or like people like Stevie B, we think they're really good. And maybe for the second album, we will take it in consideration because then we write the half of the album by this ourselves. Hi, I understand you recorded your first album in English phonetically. Is that correct? You shouldn't ask me because I'm not an English teacher. You should know it better because you speak English. Okay. Do you plan to write any any songs for your new, for your new, newest album? Yeah, we we planned it already for our first album. 
But you know, you have to understand, two guys from Germany who really nobody gives a fuck. No, I have to say it like this, two guys from Germany, a producer comes who is successful already, the, guy, the two little guys want to have the input, nobody really want to give them a chance, there's money, you know, conflicts. So for the first album, we couldn't write, we couldn't write a, we couldn't write, and we wouldn't be able. We haven't. We wouldn't been have able, because we were not too. We were not so far. We played around in the studio, you know, demos. But for the second album, certainly, we will write a couple of songs, not all. Congratulations, gentlemen. Uh, you may or may not be aware that an unusual number of musicians have become best new artists and have dropped off the face of the earth. It's been sort of a kiss of death. Can you comment on what's next for you? The next is the tour. We will go on tour the 5th of April. Rob since, Rob, since you're from Germany, are you going to do any songs since the Berlin Wall, since they took it down? No, no, because... No, not really. I'm happy for the Germans, you know, I said it already by the Music Awards, because I'm German. So I think it's a great thing that people come together, because my adoptive parents have had an uncle who lived in East Germany and now they can visit each other. But you still, you know, but for my music, I think, for our music, we want to be dance orientated, you know. So we don't want to do this. Excuse me. I know that um, you just won yourself an award. I'm sure you're very happy with that. But the fact um, of the matter is, personally, I feel as a music critic, you were up against people that were better than you in that category. Now, for the fact that you won that award up against people or other up against groups that were, let's say, transcontinental, with their concepts, even it's a even difficult for me to understand. Transcontinental with their concepts that you were up against, I think that they really deserve. Thank you. Hi, Taylor. Um, Nice to have you on the show. I'm from 991 KGGI. Great. Um, when you recorded your latest single, um, what is it? Love. Which one? <laughs> Love. Love will lead you back. Yes. yes. Did, that's a Diane Warren song, right? Yeah. Did you realize it was going to take off like all her other songs uh, that she's <laughs> written for Michael Bolton and Cher? And right. Um, actually, when choosing material, I really it's it's not quite the songwriter. It's 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 usually <laughs> for me the song, and uh, I felt very. I felt very confident about the song and I thought it was just that beautiful and what ha what's happening with it and how it's touching people is just the way things go. So there it is, yeah. Taylor, to your right. Yes. How are you doing? I'm doing Hi. standing. Hi. Hi. Um, you look great, number one. Thank you. Number two, you're no stranger to radio airplay. I was wondering, do you still get the same uh, feeling when you hear your song on the radio? Is it a giddiness or is it... You don't even think about it anymore. <laughs> well, I'm still trying to hear Love Will Lead You Back. I haven't heard it yet. I was in London and I heard it. I haven't heard it in the States. So, But on the whole, um, yes, it's a wonderful feeling to come home and turn on the radio and there you are. Yes, I love the support and it's, yes, it's very exciting. Absolutely. Taylor, have you ever uh, had that feeling that love will lead someone back to you? Haven't we all? <laughs> no personal insights? Yeah. I don't kiss and tell, but why not? Yeah, there's something to be said about that, don't you think? Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I knew you when you came to Spain being opening up for Michael Jackson. And since then, I believe you've changed quite a bit of your image. <laughs> yes. uh, and when are you, apart from your image, when are you coming headlining on the world tour on your own? Is there any plans on it? or? Well, I'm in the works of actually putting the band together and going through rehearsal, which I'll be out on the road um, as of May, probably in Europe, headlining whatever you want to call that, or doing the festivals in the summertime. Yeah. Taylor, there's a lot being made about the makeover you had recently. Yes. Tell us, what did you do, and uh, <laughs> is it upping your confidence level for other women who maybe are thinking of doing the same thing? What did I do? Well, I think the whole image thing that people are really focusing, I mean, yes, the first video it was quite blatant that there were changes. Um, but actually, I just went to a gym, have a trainer, and took extensions out of my hair. Nothing crazy. <laughs> so if that gives you confidence, it should. Um, uh, it's just more or less musically confident. I think this album is just 
very, it's very exciting for me. And uh, Taylor, yes. my name is William from The Balance News. I'd like Hi. to ask you, are you going to record another song like I'll Always Love You with the R&B flavor? Who? Well, I mean, when you listen to the album, I think it always touches in on that because that's always, you know, the R&B side of music has always been a, uh, you know, a tremendous influence, you know, for me as an artist. Um, I think Love Leads You Back, maybe not quite as much, or, or the ballads as, as much as I'll Always Love You. But when you get to Up All Nights or more house-oriented records, more, you know, they, they're, they're there. It's there. It's in there. Yeah. So is there any musicians influenced your music? I didn't understand that. Excuse me? Oh, is there any musicians influenced your music? You know, because you have an you know, rhythm and blues taste. Absolutely. So. Um, my God, well... The list goes on and on. I mean, I would have to say the first influence for me was radio. When I turned on the radio and there was a Temptations or um, Aretha Franklin or Mavis Staples and on and on and on, you know. That was very tremendous for me, the early 70s, late, late 60s. And then, you know, whatever rock artists took over and influenced me. So yes, artists do influence other artists. That's been known to happen, yes. Taylor over here. Your yes. outfit, it seems like you've corporated out your look with the glasses. Is this a new look for you? <laughs> I don't know. Does it work? Will you tell me? Uh, I feel good. Is this a new image? Are you going to be dressing differently now? Then what? Then how we're used to seeing you in your videos? Um, why not? Maybe. <laughs> Female or any other. Um, it's quite as you said, competitive, but on the whole, I think if you believe in yourself and you have something to offer, I would never sit there and knock somebody's dream. I would say always pursue it. Always, always. Always. Thank you very much. Thank Congratulations. You. Thank you all for coming. No cameras in here, okay? Out of here. Out of here. Hello. Hi there. I brought you all here today to talk about something. Hi, Paul. Hi. Congratulations. Thank you. Paul Simon said recently you're the greatest melody writer alive. Do you think you're still writing melodies like you all, always did? And what's your greatest melody that you've ever written? Oh, that's a tough question, but I love Paul. I don't know the answer. Um, I love writing a melody. I find it quite easy to write. But um, I don't know if I'm still writing them as good or what. We, we'll have to see what happens, you know, in future years when we analyze it all. I haven't got time to analyze it. Paul, a very interesting thing. I find you a very creative, kind of a celestial person. I'm going to ask you an unusual question, but probably it's not unusual. You talked about a hole in the sky. Has there been any moment in time where you've perhaps experienced things with uh, unidentified flying objects and all those good things? I've no, I, no, I must say I have never seen and uh, no, I have not seen one. I think John saw one, but uh, I, I haven't actually seen one. Congratulations on winning your awards. Thank you. Is this still exciting for you, number one? Number two, uh, from the way I view it, you don't get to intermingle very much with your peers. What's the most exciting part of this evening tonight? And Could you fill us in a little bit about Merle Street presenting you with your award? Which bit of the question you want first? All of it at once. <laughs> it was just very quick. Um, is it still exciting? Yeah, sure is. Uh, and the ride we had to get here was very exciting. I counted five red lights. Um, what was the other bits of the question? More about Meryl. Well, I just think she's great. And she was in the 116th row, so yeah. well, she's hot. Well, what we had heard is that you had requested her to present you with the award. No, I actually, they kept bringing me up. They said, who do you want to present it? I said, look, you know, it's nothing to do with me. They're giving me an award. That's, that's their affair, you know. So I tried to keep out of it until about 10 minutes ago. Mr. McCartney, there is a rumor going around that over hey, here. Sorry. There's a rumor going around that there might be a regrouping of some sort this evening. Can you confirm that? Uh, you mean of the Beatles? Yes. No, uh, the thing is, I think George is in England, probably in bed by now. So I think that kind of rules that one out. And I don't think Ringo's here either. And as he said about a Beatles reunion, obviously there can't ever be one with, without John. But um, 
I think it was brought about because George has got two nominations and Ringo's got one, so they thought we might be here together. Can this young lady have a question, please? Come on, babe. Do you think you'll be ever doing another Rupert the Bear cartoon? Well, I certainly hope so. I don't know. She's talking about a Rupert the Bear cartoon that we once did. But um, it's my ambition to do a full-length feature film. I'm not sure if it'll be Rupert, but uh, we're going to do it. One more? Can we have one more? That's it. Yes, uh, your honest assessment of today's music and what do you listen to when you are at home relaxing? I listen to a lot of stuff. I listen to mainly what my kids listen to, which is like In Excess, Simple Minds, U2, Talking Heads. Uh, I also like a lot of rap stuff. Uh, I like Eric B and Rakim. Um, they're kind of my favorites and uh, Public Enemy. Um, I, like, I always like modern music, you know, um, most of it. There's, there's a bit of it that gets fairly synthetic and boring fast. And that's the stuff I don't really like. But I think a lot of it's got a lot to recommend it. I've got to go now. Thank you. Nice to see you.